You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. I'm your Pearl J- <laughs> I can't even do it. I tried yeah, to do Well, it happy Halloween to you, Jason. Yeah. You're listening to The State of Love and Trust. I am one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gillieri. Much easier to do it that way than to try to make my own stupid Halloween... Uh, Dra- voice. Dracula voice? Your, 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 be- your oh best Transyl- Transylvania accent? Less Transylvania, more Pennsylvania. Am I right? <laughs> Where's my rim shot? Badoom, there it is. is. Um, hello, and for all of you parents out there, is the sugar high done? Are the kids coming down yet? How's the crash? Huh? Is it good? November. I, 1st, I think most of the parents are listening to us with earpods on right now at like seven a.m. because the kids are already awake because that sugar high has just oh, man. hasn't worn off yet. And that's okay. You probably have a cup of coffee in your hand, and you're listening to the sweet, soothing sounds of Jason Garapesi's voice. Well, sweet? No. Soothing? Probably not. But they are sounds. And uh, Paul is here to provide those first two adjectives. Uh, as you heard at the top of the show, please do um, follow us on the social media. That is helpful for all of us. Um, and I, of course, have to mention our, our very most favorite people in the world. Um, Outside of our also favorite people, our patrons, our, our patrons, our patrons on Patreon. Uh, thank you to you guys as always. Um, you help support this show and and make it uh, go uh, further than it would otherwise. And to anybody who's bought a T-shirt, uh, we thank you as well. Yeah, and 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 to to those patrons, uh, one of our our patrons let us know that we need to do a better job of uh, making the process of becoming a patron more accessible and visible. And we're we're going to get on that. We're working on that. In progress. So one thing that patrons are doing for us or, or working with us on is the newest t-shirt design. And Paul, we've got, oop, I just hit the mic. And we've got, um, I put up uh, a dozen new t-shirt ideas on Patreon and the voting has begun. Yeah. And we're going to do a second round of voting because there are a lot of people choosing different stuff. We're going to whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down until we have a winner. And then that'll be the next shirt, and hopefully it comes out around you know the holiday time because hashtag. So speaking of, of of holiday shirts, yes, I, I have a special thank you to one of our listeners. You sure who do. Passed, who, who who passed on some info that Easy Street uh, had uh, that Halloween shirt from this year that I missed the boat on getting. So I now have this year's Pearl Jam Halloween shirt, courtesy of my good podcasting partner Jason via. One, 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 one of our listeners, Gonzalo, Gonzalo from Seattle. Um, he heard the pod that at that week and said, you know what? I know that easy street records here in my hometown of Seattle is selling that shirt on, on the DL. And he sent me the link and I go done. And I, and I surreptitiously bought it. And then I was like, Hey, did you check your mail poll? He goes, actually I did. I don't yeah. remember buying this, but here it, it is. It, and I go, it was well, the, the, the coolest treat. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Gonzalo. I, uh, I, I, and Gonzalo were the trick and you received the treat. That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm enjoying an additional treat also known <laughs> as Elysians. 
pumpkin coffee ale stout. We need to start getting Delicious. some, uh, you know, free beer or something from those guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Anderson Valley are just getting Sp- sponsorship. We're I working went, on seriously. it. We're working on it. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to tease before we get to the main topic today. Remember, all month we've been talking about a giveaway, a raffle, if you will, for an unopened version of No Code on vinyl. And the deadline is passed, and we've got a winner. We're going to announce that right at the end of the show. So yes. hang out or just fast forward 55 minutes, and you will get to it <laughs> and find out who won that record and we'll also read some of the reviews that came in on the apple platform so that'll be fun yeah uh okay let's get to the main topic here today and paul this was your idea and i thought it was fantastic especially fitting the the time of year would you care to explain what the topic is this week and why we're doing it it would be my pleasure so you and i went to this wonderful exhibit in whittier which we talked about last week Mm -hmm. and when i got home and i mentioned this on last week's episode I watched the Hall of Fame induction, David Letterman hosting, sending Pearl Jam off into the sunset, proverbially speaking, at least uh, as far as that path is concerned, into the Hall of Fame. And listening to the speech and the uh, the, the honoring of, of of the drummers and the, the the running joke amongst everybody speaking about the, the the litany of drummers that Pearl Jam has had, and I started thinking to myself. Just it was so nice to see Dave Cruson up there with them, and and it's a shame that that Dave A couldn't be there for it. But but they very very uh, respectfully and and uh, graciously paid homage to his contributions, and it was nice to see Jack in the crowd as well. And I started thinking about Jack, and you know, you and I have talked in recent weeks quite quite a bit actually about Jack's departure from the band, and I was watching Matt up there, and I. Matt gave his speech and I started thinking to myself, would, what would happen if Matt left too? I mean, it was a dark thought, but I mean, it, it seems to be a running theme or trend with this band. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think they want to lose Matt. Uh, I, I imagine that, you know, Matt is the drummer for the duration of, of whatever shelf life the band has left. But all that being said, I mean, I'm sure, you know, we probably thought that about, about Jack at one point. And the reality is, you know, Matt's come out and talked a lot recently, especially after the, the, the tragic Taylor Hawkins episode about how he, he notices, he, he sees the toll. He feels the toll of the touring. And part of me wonders if at some point in time, he's going to say, Hey, f- for my own physical health, I need to, to maybe step away. And he has his own side projects and he's an extremely talented musician and would be in high demand playing in other bands. Even if he's just like, guesting you know um studio guy he, he might want to do more more front work kind of like dave Grohl did where where he's not you know sitting on the stool banging away um i don't know i i just started thinking what 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 would they do would this be like a, a led zeppelin thing where it's time to hang him up now that we lost our drummer or would it be be something where they just the show goes on i don't know so i i figured it was worth thinking about and you and i have spent the last week meditating on it Yep. And uh, but both of us felt that uh, there was enough, there were enough angles to come at this that just two angles wasn't enough. Like a triangle, two angles is not enough. And so, with that said, we're going to bring on our newest Patreon member, 
and friend of the show, it's Stip. Oh my God! How did I get here? <laughs> I don't know. You just showed up. I was I was just having this weird dream about Matt Cameron leaving the band, and <laughs> oh God! Now I find nightmare, it's, nightmare. It's, it's almost That's midnight right. on the East Coast. Cue the oh, thunderstorm God. and lightning strike sound effects. There it is. <laughs> Wonderful production value. So, step. Then the question is posed because we we talked about you know what happened if Dave A stayed. We've talked about um like like paul said a couple weeks ago what if jack never left um and here's one that's very scary to me personally considering how gushing ed and the guys have been about him especially on this past tour this this summer um and compounded by their age so i'm going to start with you what if matt cameron left the band you know it's i was I, when i was thinking about that earlier today i feel like we all forget just how long Matt's been with the band. It's been t- over 20 years. It's been more than half their catalog. And yet in this weird way, he still feels like the new guy who who came in just because he arrived after their their imperial phase. You know, the albums that they're known for outside of the the large the fan community, you know, weren't his. Um and I mean I guess we kind of got a sense of that when he got COVID earlier this year, um, mm-hmm. but that's not yeah. exactly the the same thing. Um, you know, they seem. I don't know that uh, the role he's playing in the band is as essential as it might have been fifteen years ago. In that, I would have, I might have told you, like, oh, if if they lost another drummer in two thousand three, two thousand four, they might just throw it up and say that you know, to hell with it, we're done with it. Um, but they've been seemingly in a very like, you know, stable, you know, happy journeyman kind of place for a long time. And I don't mean that dismissively. It's like, you know, this is the thing we come together to do and we do it and we do it really well. And then we go, you know, about our separate ways that I don't know that he's essential to the band dynamics in the way that he might've been when he first came on, you know, he's got this incredible endurance and he was their drummer when they're live shows took on the 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 form that they have today um but they play shorter tours um and there's a part of me that that's felt in the last couple of years they might replace him if really? the rest of the if if he decided I'm I'm done you know they've all played with other drummers you know like Eddie if you think of him as the the musical director of the band you know which he is like you know had no trouble going out and uh, you know, making Earth links with a yeah, you know, with a, with a different drummer. Um, I'm sure there's no shortage of talented people who would love a gig playing with Pearl Jam, <laughs> it, whether it was uh, you know on the road or not. And if you think about their dynamics over the course of their you know their career, the even though Matt was actually in a lot of ways their first drummer since he did the demos, you know, like Stone. Matt, Mike, and Jeff have been the core dynamic. Like, you know, they've gone through four primary drummers on studio albums. And the drummer has taken the fact that there's four songwriters, you know, the, uh, between uh, Jeff and, and Mike and, and Eddie and Stone, and mixed up how they interplay with each other. Like, every drummer's ushered in a new, a new era for the band. Um, and I think if Matt decided, you know, amiably, like, you know, I'm, 
you know, if I'm feeling my my years and I just don't want to do this anymore. And the rest of the guys were still like, you know, we love making an album every couple of years and going to play 15, 20 shows a year. I could see them bringing in somebody new and I could see that actually ushering in another era of, you know, creativity. What is Pearl Jam version four, you know, or, you know, five, depending on how you count it, look like. I find this interesting. It's um, because there's two ways to think about it, right? On the one, the way we set this up, we make it sound like he is deciding to step down. He's essentially resigning. So that your headspace, if you're being told no, as the other guys in the band, depending on how that went down, uh, could be like, you know, we wish you all, brother. Um, we want to keep playing. And it's, it breaks our heart and we we love you, but we want to keep playing. And so they'd find another brother in arms, kind of like how they did mm-hmm. with Jack the first time around. Um, on the other hand, they're very much a unit now. And, and you know, thinking about the songwriting that Matt has included. Now you call, you know, judge the songs how you will. There's been more participation from him as a songwriting drummer than anybody else in the band's history. I think per, you know, album or per capita, whatever you want to call it, you know, let's, let's name them off. Evacuation, In the Moonlight, Save You, Crop Duster, You Are, Get Right, Unemployable, The Fixer, Johnny Guitar, Dance of the Clairvoyance, Take the Long Way, three of which he contributed vo- uh, lyrics to. One way of thinking about it, the other way is a bit macabre in that, oh no, fuck, he's left us prematurely. I don't want to put that in the ethos, but that's the other side of the Matt's gone coin. Does that change how you guys think the band reacts? Because I think it does. I, I agree. I, I think him, there's something happening to him, gives the whole thing a like, you know, um, we only have so much time left, um, you know, or, you know, would it be disrespectful to his memory if we continued? How much loss a, can those guys take? Jeff Stone right, and Ed. I mean, Jesus you Christ. Know, I, I could see them, you know, they're all about to be north of 60. I think Matt is north of 60 um, or is or about the closest to, to it. Yeah. Um, I could see them saying, you know what, that's enough. We're just going to go off and do our, our side projects. Uh, I mean, Paul, what do you what do you think? You know, this is unique in the sense that you both make really salient points. On one hand, Matt has contributed creatively to the songwriting process in ways that we did not see with Dave and with Jack. I mean, both of those left indelible impressions on the albums that they contributed on and the live shows, (laughs) as did Dave (laughs) Cruson. I think with Matt, though, there's a level of, of contribution that he makes to the compositions as far as songwriting is concerned, that I don't want to say it's unmatched, but it's, it's, it's set a new precedent in many respects. And there, there seems to be a reverence from some of his bandmates for his songwriting skills. I mean, you look at some of the commentary on the liner notes of Lost Dogs for some of his songs. Um, and I think that, that there's a, a certain level of, of comfort for the band that comes with that. And if Matt were to walk away, you have to ask yourself, what would they want to replace him with? I don't mean who, but what? What is the dynamic they're looking for? Are they looking for somebody to come in and do what you suggested, Stip, which is which is contribute to the dynamic in a way that ushers in a new era of Pearl Jam? Or are they looking for somebody to essentially just come in and play the part? You know what I'm saying? And and, and maybe let the other guys contribute and and 
put together the general culture of composition and he's just there to basically learn the songs and play and contribute in whatever way he can uh i don't want to say he would be marginalized but here's the best way for me to say it would he come in and contribute in the way that boom does you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah. Um, versus versus somebody that comes in and contributes in a way that's far more organically tied to the uh the integrity of what becomes these studio sessions and, and and album concepts See, I think here's where I think the the, the parallel that, that comes to mind for me is REM, where you know, uh, ten albums into their their run, I think uh, Hi-Fi is number ten. You know, Bill Berry, who is founding member, decides to leave, and REM gets five more more records without a drummer. They become basically a three piece band. They've got a regular uh, stu- uh, session drummer. I think it's the same guy who tours with him. But he never becomes a part of REM. He's just one of their their traveling uh yeah, a traveling member of the ensemble when they're they're playing. And they went in some, you know, weird and different directions after Bill left. It took them a little while to to find their feet. But I think one of their very best albums is their their penultimate album. Uh it just took them a little while to figure out what they were gonna be without him. But mm-hmm. REM was also, I think, a band that by the time Bill Berry left, they knew they were a historic band. Uh, they knew that they were one of the all-time great American, you know, rock bands that they'd left this indelible, you know, legacy. And so, if you took out Bill Berry, there wasn't room for somebody else to come in. And Pearl Jam, despite having been, you know, for a couple of years the biggest band in the world, you know, being one of the most important bands of their generation. You know the last ones still standing, and all the rest have always been an incredibly modest band that really seem to genuinely and authentically downplay just how important they've been, uh, how significant their contributions are. You get the impression every time they walk out on stage, they're half surprised to see all those people there and that they know all of their songs, despite having been doing this for thirty years. And so I could see it's hard for me to picture a drummer coming in and then them telling, you know, just sit in the corner and, you know, keep time while the musicians are at work. They seem like this, this sort of band, you know, they have a reputation for being very welcoming, you know, to, you know, anyone and everyone think about the way that they, they treat their, their opening acts, you know, as, yeah. as an example of that way that somebody's always out on stage with them and, you know, playing with them as equals, you know, not, not trying to upstage and be, you know Pearl Jam on stage with these lesser folks. Think of the way that the Bono was like with them on stage, doing the the exact opposite. Um, I I feel like whoever they pick is going to be welcomed into the band dynamic. Uh, maybe they don't fit, and they're not. You know, and you have that problem. You know, it was lucky break with Math that they all knew each other. You know, respected each other, had played with each other before. But I don't think we. I don't think the drummer would become a session drummer. Well, that's 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 a question that I have. Is you know. Well, first of all, let me back up. One thing is talking about Barry leaving the band, founding member. Yes, Matt has been around for 24 years now. Not a founding member, though. So it's not like sure. Dave Cruzen's been here the whole time, you know? Um, so that's one wrinkle. The other is, you know, I wonder if they they could um have somebody come in that they are comfortable with 
how many how many drummers are there out there that would fit what they do in similar age profile because i don't think they they pull a uh you know an Aussie and get you know a drummer half of his age, half of their age to play um and yes while the drums are probably the most physically demanding instrument in the uh ensemble there they'd still probably want somebody that that fits who they are and, and listen this is the same dilemma that Foo Fighters are going through it's almost it, the the arc is so similar where Taylor wasn't there for the first four or five years of the band or maybe a little bit less than that and then came in had to earn his stripes didn't play on the first record he was involved with and then all of a sudden became like the de facto vice principal if I can because Paul's here uh, <laughs> in the band and now it's like you know Schiffel was on record a couple weeks back saying yeah we're going to continue we just don't know how it's going to work out I'm of the mindset that the Vegas odds winner right now is Josh Freeze, um, because he grew up with Taylor in Orange County. They knew each other. Then he knows kind of knows those guys. He's been on the blocks a bunch of times. He's played as the live guy and the session guy for a million different artists, all respected. He was at the Taylor Hawkins tribute, yada, 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 yada. So that feels like an easy fit. But like, who's the guy for, for Pearl Jam? Who's well, in their it, world that could, that could step in? I, the, you talk about Rich Stewart, for example. If you throw his name out there, I, he has the history. He knows the guys. I don't know that he has the chops. Because... I, I, I'll throw a name out there. Okay, please. If we're talking brief, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking just go out, do a tour, that's it. Matt Chamberlain. Now, I say Matt Chamberlain because Matt Chamberlain came in when Dave Cruson had to leave. Right. Now, he had been touring for like four years straight with another band at the time. And Eddie wanted him to join the band. And he chose not to, to go be a session drummer and to play on uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So, which since normally then, would be a great gig. Um, it, it, yeah. I mean, in the '90s, early '90s, you get a chance. I mean, it was a, it was consistent work. It was a great gig. So yeah. you, you can't blame him for saying, "Hey, do I take a chance on this, this you know, emerging rock band, or do I take this primetime yeah. gig?" I mean, it, it was a no-brainer for him at the time. Now he has been an incredibly successful session drummer over the last few decades. As a matter of fact, when when Pearl Jam uh, go on the road and Matt Cameron. Uh, you know, because Matt Cameron has dual citizenship, as it were, in Soundgarden hmm. and in, in or had, I should say, in Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. And uh, there was a time where he couldn't drum for Soundgarden due to commitments with Pearl Jam. Matt Chamberlain has stepped in in Matt Cameron's place to yeah. play with Soundgarden. So, well, and to your point, Paul, he he's in um, Painted Shield with Stone. Mm-hmm. So, I think it would be a, a, an easy trend. Now, obviously, if they're if they're going back to Road Warrior days. Which honestly, we're talking four to eight years between albums these days. So I, I could see him saying, "Look, I'll I'll go on tour. I'll support you guys with the album, but the stuff in between, you know, I we got to scale that back because I I don't want to be on the road as often as you guys do." But Pearl Jam, to Stip's point, is touring less frequently now, and the volume of gigs has kind of. Uh, not come to, to 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 a stop, obviously, because they still play. But it's dwindled enough that I think it reflects where they're at in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these guys are middle aged, and you, you can't go out there and be doing three hour shows. And and they, yeah, you know. so let's talk about the age thing then. Um, Stip, you brought it up. A couple of the guys are just about. I think was it Matt and Jeff are the ones closest to sixty. Uh, Ed turns, I want to say, fifty eight two days before Christmas. So, not spring chickens, 
And for the life of me, I can't think off the top of my head who filled in for Charlie Watts when he when he passed last fall. A year ago, no, actually. Um, but they finished their tour. So but here's a difference, though, between, say, like the Stones and Pearl Jam. You had said, you know, who amongst their peers would they they pick? And I like I like the Chamberlain answer. I don't know how his mental health is, but it, it wouldn't shock me to see somebody like, you know, Jack Irons or, mm. you know, like I, with the exception of, of Dave A, they they're on good terms with all of their their former drummers but uh pearl jams much more so than the stones you know who've always wanted to just continue to be the stones are a band that are concerned about legacy i mean klinghoffer it's like 20 years younger than them that's true i would picture them bringing in a younger guy they want to give some exposure to um how does that hold on but before you continue i want to say if they because you're right they, they did bring in josh um, I guess it's the counterweight to how old Boom is. <laughs> Boom's like <laughs> fucking 70, right? Um, if they chose somebody younger, what does that say about their legacy? Because to me, it almost sounds like they're more concerned with just continuing to play than to say, hey, our star has been born and is and is about to, you know, and just be cool I, with that. I mean, there's... There's wanting to keep playing music, and then there's wanting to keep playing music like you're operating under the assumption that you are still the biggest band in the world. And I think they've left that behind them, sure. you know, a, a little while ago. And I think as long as I think their attitude, it's, you know, very Springsteen-ish, as long as there are people who want to come out and see them play, you know, they owe it to them to play. Um, but, you know, Pearl Jam shows have never felt aggrandizing or self-aggrandizing um especially in you know recent years you know like the elder statesman kind of tours that they do right now um so i don't i don't think they would just be looking to plug in some you know like young buck drummer so they can get you know wheeled out there and just you know continue to you know have their their rock star fantasies um and if they had somebody their age who's one of their peers i think they would probably go with that first there's you know comfort and familiarity there but i could see them also wanting just to give somebody an opportunity you know they've always been a band that's been sort of guilt ridden by i think erroneously but all of those other bands they think are just as good as them who never made it and you know always would try to find opportunities to like you know this obscure seattle band or you know that that obscure band let's talk about how great they are and how better they are than us um people with that kind of attitude i think wouldn't be looking for a drummer who's already on their level like it's crazy that matt cameron left just left soundgarden to go to pearl jam i mean what a career <laughs> that guy has had yes but i don't think they would need a like matt cameron level drummer to be happy well i mean talent-wise oh talent yes yes talent-wise but i mean in terms of the yeah absolutely but in terms of the name recognition i mean all of these guys go off and do you know solo projects all the time and none of them have ever adopted like the super group you know mentality Mm. like you know i'm mike mccready from pearl jam i'm one of the last living guitar gods i'm just going to get all of these amazing you know people together to do this album that celebrates me (laughs) we talked about that carlos santana yeah, yeah. I think when Earthling came out, we had the idea like, what if he made his own like apocalyptic love like slash version of that? <laughs> Who'd come in? Um, no, you're right. You're right. They don't have the egos to do that. And even when they have played with other big name musicians, I mean, look at look at Eddie's touring band, Chad Smith. He had Pino 
uh, playing bass. Now he has Chris Cheney playing bass. He's got, uh, you know, uh, Glenn Hansard up there with him. It's, well, you know, it, it, it's it's funny, Jason, that in 2016, Rolling Stone named Matt Cameron the 52nd greatest drummer of all time on the top 100 greatest drummers of all time list. Now, there are diehard Pearl Jam fans that would emphatically say, 52nd, what's wrong with you? How is uh, how is he not higher? But look, there have been millions yeah. of drummers. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's it just just to have your name on the list at all is mm-hmm. is 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 impressive. Agreed. And I, I feel like Matt's style, I don't want to call it complimentary, but I I don't find his style to necessarily completely alter the landscape of of composition in a way that say Jack Irons did on No Code. That's that's exactly where I wanted to go next. He is we had an episode way back when about who's your favorite drummer. But yeah, it's it's a silly question to pose, but it's a, one of the things people like to talk about. So silly. Yeah, it's silly. It's just, you know, like, who's your favorite drummer? And, and and there's no really right answer because every drummer that's participated in this band has brought something really cool. And so the where, where we I think we both landed on was we both I was going to ask who, who where did you guys land we both landed on Matt um, as your purely, favorite yes because and it, maybe it's unfair because they didn't have the opportunity to play the newer stuff or or, or to continue on but we think that or I, at least I remember thinking that um, what Matt has brought to the band both. Um, I guess, you know, off the field and on the field, you could say, is more. Like, he's, he's gotten his fingers deeper into the pie um, than, than others had. And maybe that's because, at the time, the other guys were more guarded um, in, 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 as far as, you know, control um, of the narrative, yeah. uh, I mean, you could I, say. Dave, to me, was the... Dave Abrazis, He his drumming is... is Quintessential. I, I have a, a greater affinity for his drumming on Pearl Jam songs th- th- than I do for, uh, th- than I do Matt. I think as a band member, I uh, there's a, a, just a great appreciation for Matt. I think he's, he's played an integral role for why the band is still together. I, but I will say, um, I, I really think Dave Krusen's contributions on 10 are, believe it or not, if, if, if one could state this, are actually underrated. Even though he, he drummed on their most prolific album, the, the reality is that when, when you think about the little nuances, I and mean, you and I talked about uh, what makes this song great series, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a whole segment where he talks about um, uh, Krusen's drumming on the song Black and how he was doing very unique and different things. You know, the Beatles just released uh, a deluxe version of Revolver. And if you think about what the Beatles did in the studio with albums like Rubber Soul and Revolver and um, Sgt. Pepper and, and even the White Album, they experimented so much with sound and they experimented so much with rhythm and beat and, and doing things in a different, unconventional way. And I, I think that Dave Krusen might've been the kind of drummer that, that might've actually, had he been in the right headspace at the time, who might've actually evolved in a way where we would have seen little flashes of various, various kinds of styles. Uh, so I, I'm not, I mean, obviously the trajectory of the band would not have been the same had Dave remained with the band, but I would have been very intrigued to see a drummer of Dave Krusen's caliber. Yeah. Like, and that, that would be a cool. What if segment down the road is what if Dave had stayed with the band? Like what would the music have sounded like? But that's an aside. I think uh, in terms of, of this particular conversation, 
if Matt Cameron opted to, to, to leave the band, I think that there would, first of all, I think it would be somewhat uh, muted. I don't think it would be, hey, Matt Cameron's decided, you know, he's going to leave the band and this is kind of the swan song. I don't think he'd want it to be about him. Like if we all knew at the beginning of a tour, Matt Cameron is, is leaving the band, it, it really becomes the Matt Cameron fail, farewell tour. And the band members may want that, but I don't think Matt himself would allow that to come to fruition. I think he would make that announcement post after the, yeah. a, after the fact. And uh, uh, I, I agree with both of you. I, I think that the band was soldier on. And I do think that we would, we would probably see a, a flirtation with, with maybe bringing in a, a big name, but I think ultimately it, it would be a, a familiar name instead. And I think that uh, we would see a new chapter in Pearl Jam's music. Uh, but I maintain that it would probably be one that's not necessarily marked by the creative contributions of said drummer and more so just the um, the dynamic and how he contributes to the greater dynamic as opposed to his songwriting prowess. Per mm-hmm. se. Let me let me I ask you this agree. then. Um, would there be any chance, because I think he's a free agent, that Dave Cruson comes in and finishes off the, uh, the the legacy of Pearl Jam bookends. Man, it. you know, here I random uh, slight digression about Dave Cruson to to what you were saying earlier, Paul. Um, a couple of years ago, I was uh, hiring a a new music faculty. He was a drummer, and I asked him during an interview, like at the interview, like, oh, who are some of your favorite drummers? And he listed Dave Cruson from ten. Now I don't know if this guy. Did research on yeah, me, and that was found, a real good, you, out. <laughs> you know, like uh, kind of suck up sort of answer, because he that was I was not expecting him to say, you know, Dave Christian. As much as I, I love those songs, you know, you he's he's sort of always eclipsed in everybody's hierarchy by the uh, the three gentlemen that that followed him. You know, Matt Chamberlain, except because he never actually recorded with. Yeah, it was the band. three three weeks and in a live video. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't intend for that to uh, to derail, but just no, to, to it, it was some, it was some, a great uh, uh, detour. That, so then, that, that's pretty cool. So what, what what's the answer then? Is there a chance? Would there be a chance in this hypothetical that Dave Cruson would be asked to, you know, let's say they have, you know, again closing on sixty, maybe they have another album that's you know uh, half baked right now, and it, they finish it, it comes out, maybe Matt does the tour, and he says, okay, guys, I'm out, and then you know quiet time at home with the family regroup hey we're gonna bring dave back for the last you know three or four years that we can do this what do you think they i don't think they want to mix up their personal dynamic and so i I agree that's the biggest thing i think somebody who is familiar to them is probably even if they're not necessarily the you know best drummer in terms of raw talent that they could could get you know whether it's it's somebody who used to drum with them you know they've all got 300 side projects and solo albums they've done one of the folks that they've played with um even just outside of just the creative dynamics um just somebody that they know they can you know hang out with and and you know be in the studio with and not disrupt the relationship that they've built with each other i think would be the thing they're looking for the most yeah i I don't even know if he's if cruson is he might have retired. I mean, the, the the last I heard, he was drumming, you know, ten years ago or something like that. Because uh, he was it, he was with uh, Candlebox for a minute, right? He, he was, but he that came was, back for a minute too. And then right. I I don't think he's he, doing anything. He was doing some like blues, avant garde stuff. Uh, go ahead, step. 
He was, I just, according to Wikipedia, he was candle boxing from 2015 to 2017 as well. So right. he, he, he not, came back around. So, I mean, that, that's still five years ago, but recent-ish. What does his Instagram have to say? Let's see. This is the best part of the show when we, when we Google things on air. Um, well, his bio <laughs> on Instagram, original Pearl Jam drummer. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'd probably mention that from, too if I could say that about myself. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I have to, uh, as a, as a, a very, very, very uh, proud Candlebox fan, which, which I get roasted for sometimes, uh, mostly because I, I have a, a great love of their later music that I don't think anybody listens to. And I actually think is, is, is well done. But the, he's been on some of the, the, the the newer albums right into the sun and love stories and other musings from 2008 and 2012 there's some fantastic drumming on there so w- i have no doubt that I mean, if you listen to some of his drumming on those two albums you can kind of get a preview of what he might be able to contribute uh, to the kind of sound that we heard on gigaton and the kind of sound i think we'll hear on subsequent albums um so I think it's 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 a worthwhile endeavor to, to to think that if Matt did step away, that Dave might actually be the one that comes back around again. I think it'd be it would be an interesting loop, and and the the, the closure of the narrative down the road would be. Cameron Crowe does Pearl Jam forty, and <laughs> Dave is the savior. And oh, think about it, more and more these days, and especially this year. 10 has been the dominant force and even even as far back as like the home shows and 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 that 2018 tour there was a a shift to um let's have a great big party and celebrate the songs everybody loves so if they're going to keep going down that path and and i mean i would love that they went more like the 2000 to 2006 path where it was just like who the fuck knows and alive could be fifth in the set list kind of thing um I think there's a decent chance for a guy like Dave to be that guy. Why not? Yeah, I mean, he could, he could learn the other 40 songs that would drop in. It's a rational hypothetical. Yeah, no, it's, it's better than an answer I have. You have all the right answers, though, Step. Well, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll jump on the Dave Cruzen one. Okay. But yes. thankfully, we don't have to deal with this because Matt Cameron is not going anywhere as far as we know. Yes, indeed. Matt fucking Cameron, pardon my French. <laughs> as Eddie prefers and, to call him, and I'll I'll say he is not my favorite of the the studio drummers. Go on, but I do think he's there. I'm sorry, I said go on, <laughs> uh, but I do think he's I do think he is their best live drummer. Yeah, really, I do. Ooh, I mean, and some of it is like, look, I like the energy live that he brings. To, I know that the, you know these are not uh, necessarily popular opinions. Like the galloping energy that he brings to a corduroy or a, a given mm-hmm. to fly, you know, on top of just, you know, everything else. My favorite era of live Pearl Jam have been the, the Matt Cameron, you know, era. We could go and talk about that for a long time, but that sounds like another episode. Should we bring you back and talk about favorite live eras? Uh, I I would. I would love to. I'm always happy to to come on the show. Well, do yourself a favor. Go to Costco. Get another case and a half of Mountain Dew. Okay, <laughs> and we'll we'll tee that sucker up. Maybe for the end of the year when we're got our eggnog in hand and we're feeling good. The, the, uh, this has been a fun one, though. I, I was afraid it would delve into the bacab, and I'm happy that we we managed to somehow land in a, in a, in a happy place. All things considered. 
All right, so we've come to an accord. If the worst were to happen, and well, I guess it's the worst. There are other worst things. But if Matt, you know, said it, bye guys, maybe Dave Cruson comes in. But either way, we think they kind of move on yeah. in some way. Okay, we figured that out. There are tons of people listening right now that says no, and they're yelling at their car dashboards and their and their families who can't hear them because <laughs> you know their headphones on. Uh, let's move on though to our lyric of the week. Lyric of the week this week comes from Riot Act. Of course, it's a Matt song. That's what we do here. It's Crop Duster. All right, guys. So step, you're hanging around because uh, you're gonna you're gonna really give me the sauce in this one. Um, what do you make of 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 this stanza from Crop Duster? Um, I think it's a re- it's the la- I think it might be the last time Daniel Quinn as an influence uh, appears. In a Pearl Jam lyric, I think he shows up a little bit later in Riot Act on on Half Full, but he's he's really prominent here. Um, you know, Crop Dusters. You know, uh, it's about powerlessness, and in a lot of ways, I think you know, as a powerlessness is a good thing that we're um, we're not in control of the world. Uh, we're not its masters. Uh, you know, we're not the the authors of the story. You know, we're the subject of something much larger and more, you know, powerful than us. But rather than that being something that's terrifying, I mean, r- given when this was written uh, in the early stages of the early years of the, the Bush administration, lead up to the war in Iraq, war on terror, you know, uh, awareness of, you know, the all the impending environmental collapse that was predicted 20 years ago that we're starting to live with now that none of this is permanent uh that as dark as things seem right now as uh monolithic as the the enemy is that that all of this is impermanent that on a long enough timeline uh none of this is going to last and the great and this is you know elsewhere in the song when things start to decay it's the end of what you have, but it's also the start of of renewal. It's the the birth of something new. Um, but you know, within this, uh, you know, this this uh, set of lyrics, it's it's really just sort of recognizing how little control we have. Yeah, I, I always ahead, thought Jason. that. Oh, sorry. Um, as you were talking there, I I was reminded of the fact that I feel like it is almost an epilogue to do the evolution. You know, this, this folly of man to think that it could outsmart or outdo nature, the folly of man to think mm-hmm. that he's at the center of the world. I read a comment um, the other day on a forum uh, that mentioned Galileo in context of this song and how he 
proves to man that the sun revolves around the sun, uh, the sun revolves around the earth and not the other way around. And I so I, when I think about that, that lyric, I thought the world turns out the world thought me, I, I like that analogy. And so this idea that there are people out there kind of actively doing things in the face of the natural order. Yeah, I, I don't like it. Or the actions some take that destroy the planet in the name of greed and selfishness mm-hmm. you know, to, to speak back to do the evolution. Um, we spoke about uh, on this show, man of the hour, a few episodes back as our lyric of the week. Paul, remember that line, nature has its own religion. Mm-hmm. feels like the same thing here. And in that first line, everyone is practicing. You know, the missing word there, in, in my opinion, is religion at the end of that line. Everyone is practicing religion. And then in the next line, this world's an accident, kind of upends that idea that there are reasons, proof that man is at the center of the purpose of Earth. Um, no, that's just, you know, no one knows anything. That's just where Ed was at the time. But I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, and it really feels right now that we are very much upside down to sips point you know 20 years later this is it's it's literally 20 years later since the album came out um and so it's really ringing true and not for the right reasons it's really sad that while the record seems to be aging well in my opinion it's not for any good reasons whatsoever (laughs) i don't know how you feel about this football i mean it's it's an art rock record in a lot of ways but this song to me it always had this existentialism feel to mm-hmm. it. And, and my favorite line in the song, arguably my favorite line on the record was, I, I thought the world turns out the world thought me. Mm-hmm. That line has always been great. I mean, it, you, you talk about, and I think we we had a segment on this where, you know, what what are tattoo worthy lines from Pearl mm-hmm. Jam, right? Mm-hmm. This is one yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it, it I, I, I've referenced this before, on the show that that moment where i i took that sailing trip with a, a girlfriend of mine at the time many many moons ago and we we sailed from sicily down to uh to malta and i'm alone on this well i wasn't alone obviously i was, I was with, but i'm alone on the deck it's the middle of the night and i'm sailing and i remember thinking if this thing i'm, I'm looking up at the stars it was, it was the clearest most beautiful view i'd ever seen in, in my life I'm in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, just on a boat. And I remember thinking just how small and insignificant I was in the grand scheme of the cosmos. And I remember thinking to myself how everything that is so consuming in my world really doesn't have much meaning in the ether beyond me. And this line really captured that for me. Uh, what I love about this line is that this idea that I thought the world, meaning that, that the world revolves around me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, not in an egotistical way or in a haughty way, but more in a way that's like, I'm so caught up in my own world that I inadvertently struggle to consider the needs of others. And I'm not saying I specifically do that, but I think we all fall victim to mm-hmm. it in, in some ways, to, to some capacity or, or degree, I should say. Uh, and, and I think with each new generation, this becomes a harder battle to fight. I'm noticing it. Yes. Uh, as an educator, <laughs> I'm seeing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? The inability to step outside of yourself and think of the greater whole. So the realization that the world fought me, that, hey, you are not the center of the universe, and on some levels, it's liberating, and there, there's a peace that comes with that. 
Um, but on, on the same, the flip side of that coin, it, it's terrifying too, when you realize how small and insignificant you really are. And so you, it, it, it's, it's that dichotomy that you find some level, some measure of peace. And I think through some level, some type of meditative practice, whatever that looks like for you, perhaps we can find a way to, to, to discover that or unearth that. But, um, I, I don't know that this, that line has always triggered me in a very reflective and contemplative way. See that, and that existential thread is there, but the, uh, for sure, absolutely. Crop Duster is a kind of curiously optimistic song. Like it's, it's makes sense to compare it to do the evolution, Jason, but do the evolution is a, you know, linear, you know, a headlong, you know, rush into oblivion. It's, you know, writing yourself off the page and, the cyclical element of crop duster mm-hmm. is, I think, really important because there is the like I, I thought thought I thought the world turns out the world thought me. Some of it you could read in that sort of self-referential way. There's a world out there that's bigger than myself, and my own concerns, and my own bullshit. But when you also look at how terrible so many things are, and how powerful and and seemingly impossible the structural forces against change are that are arrayed against an individual having that that sense that everything is cyclical we've you know been at this point in the story before and then we will be somewhere else and then we will probably come back around here again nothing is permanent and that cyclical the cyclical nature of change is you know maybe one of the only universal you know constants that's where the song begins with the um you know this the circle of life cycle of life imagery is weirdly empowering uh, especially when you when you think of the headspace he was in when he wrote this, what was going on in the world, dark times, dark times now, that you know, no, no matter how massive the forces arrayed against you are, they're not going to last. Yeah, and that's the liberation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, we have to take some of that that uh, liberating uh, hopefulness uh, and apply it to the current times because, like I said, I feel a little upside down these days, so I need a little <laughs> bit of that good juju. Uh, let's check out the best live version of this song in our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! So live cut of the week, obviously going back to the O3 Riot Act tour. Paul, what do you got? Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to to State College. One of the most epic live shows in Pearl Jam's history, and uh, I think this is the the best live rendition of this song that you'll hear. All right, May third, two thousand three. There's no 
So simply put, this was a flawless performance. Another one of those, uh, if the studio version is great, don't mess with it songs. The guitars are in lockstep. The rhythm section is driving. Ed doesn't miss a note. It's just fantastic. It's, it's a fantastic performance. And why not, considering the show that it's from? So I think the 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 pick make all makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. If if I have not heard a version of this song yet, where they this is a song where I'd love to see them go off the beaten path with it one of these days. I think How it'd so? be a lot of fun. Um, I, not like in a corduroy or WMA like jam session style where they just start adding stuff at the end. Um, but it, there there is a a a climax to this song at the end. Mm. And and it things really start to swell, and I would like to see what they would do with with more instrumentation. That there's a lot more sound on a Pearl Jam tour now than there was in 2003. We yes. saw this firsthand, so I'd be curious to see what they might be willing to to, to experiment with. Step, to, ju- to, to just linger in that space longer. That's uh-huh. at the end. That's what you're looking for. Um, it it was a. Uh, it's a it's a really good version. It's a faithful reproduction of it. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite live crop duster, so I'm going to say that this one is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, guys. Uh, that is the episode. We hope your Halloween was fantastic. We hope that the kids' sugar high is coming down. It's been about an hour. Um, I promised some news. Like I said, per usual, uh, if you're a super de duper fan of the show. If you want to, you can join us on Patreon. Uh, the link is in our bio on our social media channels, but evidently it was not in the bio of our podcast. <laughs> so it may or may not be there. I'm going to work on that. But either way, if you can get on our Facebook or our uh, uh, Instagram or Twitter, there is a link that goes to a link tree and all of the links uh, that we that you would need for us are there, including at the very top become a patron so you can do that if you'd like again help us pick the next shirt is the thing that you could do um feeding the algorithm is always a thing paul is talking yeah. about rate review and subscribe feed it and that's how you get this record oh baby so here it is we had a lovely bunch of uh, uh entrants both via spotify and via apple and I put all the names into a randomizer. It's actually like a spin wheel. Mm. It was a, a internet spin wheel. And uh, the name that popped out brrr, that wins the no code vinyl. T Howell ten fourteen. T Howell ten fourteen. You have won the vinyl. Paul will dust it off and send it to you. Um, let me read to you. He actually was one of the Apple I, people. I'll be, I'll be dusting cellophane off, brother, because this yeah, is baby. the package, baby. Oh, yeah. Let me read to you uh, T. Howell's uh, review. Or, yeah, review. Let me find it here. Five stars. Thank you, T. Yeah. Is it Tom? Is it Tim? Is it is, Theodore? Is it, T- what is, is, it? is it Tiana? I don't know. Ooh, is it, yeah, is it, is it Tracy? Is it, is it, what other T words are there? T names. Tammy? Um, this podcast is a must for Pearl Jam fans. These guys are awesome, have great guests, great topics. And a, a shout way, out to you, Stip. It was. And a way with their words to describe the best band on the planet. Now, I did not choose that as for the reason. I just I ran again, I just randomized it, but that was that was the review. How do you like that? Very kind. I'll read a few more just for S's and G's. Sound good? Sure. 
This is from Tommy G in Meriden, Connecticut. What's up, Connecticut? Uh, one of the very best band-oriented podcasts out there. Well-produced and great content for all types of PJ fans. Five stars. Hey. This one from Other Life Dollar Sign. You're here because you like Pearl Jam. Sit back and listen. Agree with them or not, you'll still dig these guys. Five stars. Here's a good one. Coast Blue 2. I know who this is. This is one of our patrons. This is Amy. Uh, up there in, uh, I believe, Fort Bragg. These guys give us really thoughtful content, helping a PJ geek like me gain more insight into the band whom we hold so dearly. Plus, this is for you, Paul. They have great taste in beers. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. This might be my favorite one only because, uh, well, you'll see. I listen to every episode. Why? Because it is good. Simple answer. Brad and Paul are both engaging and always bring interesting topics, angles, and analysis. Must listen for any music fan, whether a PJ fan or not five stars. My name, evidently, is Brad. Amazing. It's the best. I, t- I tune in for Brad every week. Brad's exactly. the best. Exactly. He never, he never he fails to disappoint. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Way better than Paul. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> J.C. Simpson. 0206, great show. Hey, I love brevity. How about uh, Sean Rashkis? Always enjoy Tuesday morning to see what creative topic Jason and Paul pull out to discuss about Pearl Jam. Keep up the great work, guys. And the last one I'll read. Oh, our friend Bob Remington from Las Vegas. Jump on in and take a listen. A great Pearl Jam podcast with a broad range of topics covered weekly. The live cut of the week is a particularly cool segment with the parameters set around finding it. Yeah. These were great. I I had one more to share, too. Oh, fun. Um, This one is from uh, Jim in Wichita. says, these guys are crap. It'd be so much better if they just invited Stip on the show and then disappeared. Yeah, well. (laughs) That was my review. Agree 100%. (laughs) Steps moonlighting as what was it, Bill? Jim, Jim from Jim Wichita. From Wichita. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of them. Yeah. The pseudonym for Stip. Hey, Stip, you are a writer, so we're gonna put it past you. Yeah. Oh boy. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Um, kudos and congratulations to T Howell 1014. If you've heard your name, you should get in touch with us so we know where the hell to send this thing. Yeah. You've won a vinyl. Yeah. Very excited for you. Or uh, whoever it is that you've decided to 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 give this away yes. to. Hey, we're approaching holiday season. If it's a gift for you, if it's a gift for somebody else, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. There you go. And uh, not only do we have a guest this week in Stiff, but next week we're going to talk Riot Act in full with Brandon from Better Band Podcast. Very excited Hit about Hit on our show. I'm very excited about this. Paul, you put it out there. Are there big Riot Act fans? He said, hello. Yeah. <laughs> So that's next week. Uh, Stip, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back. Uh, the last time we had you was for our 100th episode Spectacular. And now you're back again, 31 episodes later. Always happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Love having you, Stip. All right, gang. Well, thanks again to all of you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. And until we do, you've been listening to... On All Hallows' Eve, the state of love and trust. Love and trust.